Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, God is born. My beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, today we gather to meditate on the words from the second chapter of St. Peter's first epistle. There, St. Peter exhorts us to follow in the footsteps of Christ who suffered for our sake, leaving us an example to follow. But before we delve deeper into today's text in the epistle, I want us to first consider the context in which it was written. St. Peter addressed his first letter to the elect exiles who were part of the Jewish diaspora throughout the regions of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, something like that. Now, you may think that this is some huge region, given the word Asia is in there, but at the time, it didn't have that broad meaning it has now. In fact, Asia was only a small region of what we would now call Asia Minor. So essentially, Peter was ministering with his epistle to the people who live in approximately the region of modern-day Turkey. Now, that still was a big place with many churches by this time. And these people were facing persecution for their faith in Christ. They were being slandered and falsely accused by their neighbors who didn't understand or accept their Christian beliefs. And in this hostile environment, St. Peter, before this passage, reminds his readers to keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. He also tells them to be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, and by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people, talking about their neighbors who were persecuting them. Now, St. Peter turns to address servants, or let's be clear, slaves, which were legal under Roman law. Now, slaves in ancient Rome did not just perform manual labor or domestic services, but they also had highly skilled jobs. In fact, accountants and doctors were often slaves. Slavery could also be sometimes a legal sentence. Now, the slaves were their owner's property. They had no legal personhood, and most would never be free. Unlike ordinary Roman citizens, they could be subjected to corporal punishment, sexual exploitation, torture, or even summary execution. And when sentenced by court to corporal punishment, I mean to, to capital punishment, they, like our Lord, would be crucified. It is to these slaves that Peter addresses our epistle passage. And remarkably, right, given everything I just told you, he starts with this, for this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. He's telling these slaves that their suffering is commendable before God, even if it's unjust. And he encourages them to endure patiently, following the example of Christ, who also suffered unjustly for our sins. But by stripping the message in the lectionary today of the context of slavery, and by putting it here just two weeks after Easter, the church is making an important point that this passage is for all of us at this critical time. It's important to remember that this timing of a couple of weeks after Easter is quite important 
Historically, the catechumens left the service before the creed and the divine liturgy, the entire second half of the service. The first week, which we still call Bright Week, the, the newly baptized would wear their white garment that they were baptized in for the whole week, right? And they come back on Thomas Sunday last week. And of course, they've been out in the world, but you know, pretty, pretty interestingly set apart there, right? Now they've gone back for a week to their normal lives. And it's also important to understand that historically the catechumens left the service before the creed and the divine liturgy. They, they, they would not have ever seen before Easter morning the, 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 the rest of the service. In fact, the Eastern Rite Liturgy still has an artifact of this as the deacon or priest exclaims, the doors, the doors, and wisdom let us attend before the creed. And at that point, the catechumens and the public penitents or visitors would have been expelled from the building and the doors locked. So the church is placing this here for some of the first teaching of the newly baptized within the context of their new faith. And in fact, this chapter of St. Peter's epistle starts with the verses, so put away all malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn infants, newborn babes, Long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. The church is also placing it here for the edification of you and me and all of us who during Lent have been renewing our faith, being reborn in our faith. We who have taken upon ourselves some tiny suffering through fasting, almsgiving, and prayer. Our regimen of asceticism is not unjust suffering, however but rather just suffering. And as St. Peter says, what credit is it if when you sin, you're beaten for it and you endure? Likewise, our asceticism is no credit to us. No matter how ascetic we are, it wins us no crowns in heaven if it doesn't transform our hearts. However, we choose to do it to edify ourselves, to strengthen ourselves, to aid in our repentance. And if we endure that just suffering with patience, mindful of God, it can also bring us grace. But here on the second Sunday of Easter, the new Christians and the renewed Christians have been back in the world, as I said, for a couple of weeks. And their choice to become Christian has become more real. Perhaps they're noticing situations where they're suffering unjustly because they have chosen to not be of this world. They're back here seeking spiritual milk. And St. Peter gives it to them, feeding them by telling us that when we suffer unjustly, we share in Christ's suffering and we become more and more like him. Just as those new Christians have put on Christ by sharing in Christ's unjust suffering, they show that they are clothed with Christ by bearing it patiently. And this is, of course, commendable to God. And through it, through that gracious thing, that grace, we become partakers in the divine nature, and we begin to see the world from God's perspective. St. Peter shows us how Christ himself is the ultimate example of how to endure unjust suffering. He says, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who just, judges justly, God, of course. And as we heard in the Passion Narratives, Christ endured that unjust suffering with patience and trust in God. He did not retaliate or seek revenge. Instead, he prayed for his enemies, saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. 
And in this way, Christ showed us how to love our enemies and how to overcome evil with good. He showed us that the way of the cross is the way of self-emptying love. The only way to overcome the world and its temptations. Although we all know that St. Peter was one of the closest disciples of Jesus, we also learn from those passion narratives that Peter, the author of today's epistle, was not always faithful to Christ. He denied him three times, even though he'd promised to follow him to death. Peter was weak and afraid, and he failed, up, failed to live up to his own promises. Yet even in Peter's weakness, Peter experienced the mercy and forgiveness of Christ. We also talked about how after Jesus' resurrection, he appeared to Peter and reestablished him as a leader in the church with a threefold restoration, saying, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. After each time, Peter told Jesus of the love that he had for him. In this way, Christ showed Peter the power of his love and the depth of his forgiveness. He gave Peter a new mission and a new purpose to lead a flock, to lead Jesus' flock, to become a shepherd and overseer, feeding and tending to the very people to which he writes today, proclaiming the good news of God's message of salvation to the world, a message of salvation that somehow, crazily, remarkably, occurs through, the, through unjust suffering. And here we see that Peter himself had become that very shepherd and overseer that Christ himself asked him to be, feeding his lambs, tending his sheep. Being a shepherd that points to the shepherd, the shepherd that we hear about, the good shepherd, our Lord Jesus Christ in our gospel today. And here, St. Peter reminds us and calls us back to Jesus, to the shepherd to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. But guess what? He's also calling us to be shepherds and overseers. Peter is calling us to his calling. From overseer comes our word for bishop, and the mark of the bishop is the staff that he carries. In the Western tradition, that staff, called a crozier, crozier is even styled with a hook, like that of a shepherd's crook, to further emphasize the role of shepherd that the bishop has. Now, you all know that we are called to be part of the so-called priesthood of all believers, which, guess what, comes from no other place than this very chapter in the Bible, too. Here's St. Peter. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen to be precious, you yourselves are like living stones built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So Peter, in this very chapter, has gone from calling you to be newborn babes to be priests, and what does it mean to be a priest? You offer sacrifices. You stand in the gap between the people and God, and you hold them together. Offering sacrifices, that's what priests of the Old and the New Covenant do. You're called 
in your own way, in your own role in the church to offer spiritual sacrifices and thereby be a part of the priesthood of all believers. But in today's passage, St. Peter is not only calling us to be part of the priesthood of all believers, but to be a part of the bishopric of all believers. For we know we are to put on Christ. And just as Christ takes on all of us, mind, body, soul, and will, to save every part of what it means to be human like we are, we're also called to take on every element of him by grace. Said so eloquently by St. Athanasius, God became man that men might become gods. But before becoming gods, we must become newborn babies being fed by the church. Then a part of the priesthood of all believers, offering self-emptying sacrifices for ourselves and our neighbor as Christ did in his suffering. And finally, we must become part of the of the bishopric of all believers. St. Peter is calling us to feed Jesus' lambs, tend Jesus' lambs, feed Jesus' sheep. We must become shepherds and overseers, first of our own souls, but also those of our family, our friends. You can't just rely on me. Or even may God grant them many years, Bishop John or our new Metropolitan Saba, we're all limited, sinful men, no matter how much more holy and saintly our God-granted leaders are than me. And the church is one body. You're part of it. So you have to lead it, too. Yes, I'm here to help you. But as the Exultet sung on the Easter Vigil so eloquently says, I beseech you in calling upon the mercy of Almighty God that he who hath been pleased for no merits of mine to admit me into the number of his Levites may pour on me the brightness of his light. And so today I ask, may God too pour upon you the brightness of his light. And through no merits of your own, may he be of your own, may he be pleased for you to commit to calling to join not only the priesthood of all believers, but the bishopric of all believers. And may you, through God's love and grace, the help of his church, and being clothed by Christ. Become the shepherd and overseer of your souls and those around you. Feed his lambs, tend his sheep, feed his sheep. Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.